In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You are advised that any view expressed by the host or their guest are not necessarily the views of the owners or management of Toginet Radio, Togi Entertainment, or the Owners Group, Inc. It's time for Paying It Forward with Josephine Jirasi. Everyone has learned lessons in life during their lifetime. Some good, some bad. But from everyone, there has been something learned. And now it's time to share that knowledge. It's called Paying It Forward. Here, these lessons learned are then paid forward to you, with you paying it forward too. Josephine put her professional career on hold after the birth of her first child and turned her attention to being a full-time mother. Well, three kids later, Josephine started her own company, MyMomKnowsBest.com and Glovies, but was dismayed by a lack of information that people would share to help entrepreneurs be successful. That's where Paying It Forward was born. This is Paying It Forward on Drugginet.com. And now, here's your host, Josephine Jirasi. Hi, everyone. It's Josephine. I'd like to welcome you to Paying It Forward, Entrepreneurs Helping Entrepreneurs. Today, we have a fascinating guest. Her name is Lynn Lambert of New York City Subway Line. It's a brand of apparel and accessories which feature the New York City subway maps and signs. Lynn came to New York to further her dream of being an actor and settled in Brooklyn, which meant lots of subway rides into Manhattan. Liz became very successful as an actor um, doing voiceovers and radio commercials. Some of the gigs she worked on included the announcer for all of the Pound Puppies commercials. Believe it or not, she even introduced Amstel Light Beer to America. She even did a Lysol commercial. Lynn has had her hands in so much, we're not finished yet, but Lynn was also the voice in the first interactive baby doll called Baby Talk. Now, how cool is that? She was even all of the women voices in the popular video game Grand Theft Auto 2. I know the young girls out there are probably amazed at that. But this success was interrupted when Lynn experienced her aha moment while waiting for a subway. Lynn, it's a pleasure to introduce you as my guest today on Paying It Forward. Josephine, thank you so much for inviting me to be on. Oh, well, thank you, Lynn. Um, you have such an incredible story, and uh, I always love the fact that Oprah says everyone has a story, and your story is just so amazing to me. It's like, I don't know, how does somebody go from being an actor, not only a regular actor, but a truly successful actor, and then you turn around, you open up your own business, you make millions of dollars selling T-shirts, it's just, I think you have so much to teach all our audience out there today, and I can't wait to get started. So, Lynn, can you tell us, how did it all start? What happened when you were younger? What did you think, um, what was your dream job? What did you think you were going to become when you became, you know, older, when you got older? Well, I think um, when I was little, my, my, you know, my head was in the clouds, and I, I took dancing lessons, and... Um, at home, my mom played piano, and she would play all of the old show tunes from the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s. She had been a big uh, fan of, of all of that. She um, and my dad and I would, would sing in the car and sing around the house. And, um, you know, I loved all of that, and I certainly was influenced by her. 
And, you know, of course I had dreams like most little girls do of, you know, being a ballerina or an actor or a singer, um, but I didn't really think that anybody ever actually became one of those things. I mean, I didn't know anybody who was one, did you? <laughs> no, I didn't. No, so I didn't. by the time I got to um, high school, I think I was thinking I would maybe be an English and drama teacher, and um, it wasn't until I actually was in college and, and started getting work as, as semi, in a semi-professional theater company that I started thinking, well, maybe, you know, I could actually do this, you know? I got a little emboldened. So um, I went down that path, and um, it, it's the difficult one. I, I thought I actually had one of the more difficult jobs in the world trying to find work as an actor. Right. But, um, Especially here in New York. I can imagine the competition must have been fierce. It was. I mean, I, um, I ended up coming east from, I, was, I grew up in this, um, moved all around the country w- with my mom, uh, who, who was divorced then from my dad. So we lived in the suburbs of Denver and the suburbs of San Francisco. And I came east to apprentice uh, as an actor with um, the New Jersey Shakespeare Festival, which at that time was in Cape May. And um, uh, I realized from meeting all the New York actors that I met there that I wasn't ready for New York. I wasn't ready for New York just as a person. I felt like I would be eaten alive. <laughs> so <laughs> I took some time to, uh, to go back to the Baltimore-Washington area <clears throat> where, my, excuse me, <clears throat> where my dad was still living. And um, I did, I, it was a smart move because it was a smaller market. So I worked like crazy. I did theater. I did commercials. I did industrial films. Uh, I got so much experience under my belt before I moved to New York. That's great. But New York City, you know, especially when you want to be an actor, it was always in my dreams. Um, my mom had taken me there when I was little to, like, Radio City at, for the Christmas show. Wow, you know. <laughs> I had stars in my eyes about New York City, but it seemed somehow um, unreachable until I finally... At 23, I kind of took a deep breath and said, okay, I'm ready to try this. And, um, and I learned a lot. I've certainly learned a lot from New York City. But it, it's still, I mean, I don't know how you feel about this, Josephine, but especially at night when you drive up across one of the bridges and you see New York City <laughs> with its lights blazing, oh, that skyline, those bridges, it, it just, it's, so, so beautiful and so exciting, and I've never gotten over that. Absolutely. I mean, Lynn, you're teasing me right now because I'm living in the suburbs about, you know, an hour from Manhattan, and I lived in the heart of Manhattan for 12 years. It was just so exciting. I mean, if I went away for the weekend and came home, the minute you cross that bridge, like you said, it's electrifying. It's energy that you just can't describe. And um, I was fortunate enough to live there, and I just loved every single minute of it. But I also agree with you, New York can also be a really tough place because um, it's just, it's a different crowd of people. Um, I think there's probably an awful lot of type A personalities in Manhattan, and everybody is just striving to be the very best. So I'm sure when you were an actor, I'm sure you got to experience that. But, you know, when I think about it, you probably had built up so much confidence within yourself um, as an actor that I'm sure that that transferred on to you becoming 
you know, a business owner and having the guts, because that's what it takes to actually go from having a concept to actually owning your own business. So tell us a little bit about that. You know, like, what did you learn from your acting career and how has that applied to your business today? Well, first of all, I, I think you're completely right because I really had had a successful career in a very difficult business for about 20 years. And um, the things that I think I learned as an actor that have served me well in this business was, one, to be bold. You just have to be. You can't be a shrinking violet and start your own business. You have to be bold. You, it, you have to believe in, in, your, in your product or your service. And not only but be bold, be persistent in a, in a hopefully in a charming way so people aren't turned off by you, but most importantly, I think, to be resilient. Um, and I say that because um, as in my time as an actor, even though overall I had quite a, a lot of success, I had my hot periods and my cold periods, which I think happens with every salesperson, by the way you know, where you just feel like you can't do anything wrong and everything's coming your way and you're getting, you know, a great percentage of everything you audition for. And other times where you feel like, oh, my gosh, I can't get arrested, you know. Yeah, absolutely. That's the roller coaster effect is what I call that, Lynn, the highs and the lows, and you just got to know how to ride them out. I also learned um, that, unlike as an actor where I had an audition scheduled, whether I was deathly ill with a cold or feeling on top of my game or not, I had to be there at 10 a.m. at this spot and do this audition. Um, What I did learn as a salesperson for my business was I would try to make my calls to to move my business forward at the times when I was feeling the best. And I would do everything I could to feel feel my best. And then when I was in that very positive frame of mind, I would make those those phone calls. So that was helpful. But honestly, my, my business as an actor kind of walked away from me, which was what caused me to, I think, be open to starting this other business. And that had to do with age discrimination. Um, uh, show business in any form is, is um, notoriously uh, discriminates against their performers um, as they get older and just offer them fewer and fewer opportunities. But especially for women, it starts younger. So when I... Um, I sound younger than I am, not on purpose, just my, my natural voice. But, um, right. but after 40, I started having, I went from having five to ten appointments in a day as an actor to having like three or one a week. It just started wow. slowly, slowly waning. So um, I kind of was, I felt, you know, like I had, to, I had to find something else to do. And it was hard for me to think about doing something that I that I didn't love because I'd been fortunate enough to be pursuing for 20 plus years a career that I loved. So I was wow. very fortunate to come up with this, this idea, this aha moment, waiting for a train, thinking, why hasn't anybody put those circles with the number one or the letter A or, or a subway map or something having to do with New York, which is such a popular city? Why hasn't anybody ever made fashion out of that? It's like the, you know, the, the quintessential, New York icons here. It's like the wallpaper of the city. It's everywhere. Everybody knows it who's ever visited or lived here. And um, I, after I came up with that idea, I just couldn't shake it. I think that's amazing. And, you know, Lynn, the fact that you took that idea and really made it a reality is what, 
you know, is just so amazing. So um, tell us a little bit more about that. Like, what did you do? Did you go home? Did you talk to your husband about it? Did you tell your friends um, about your idea? How did it happen? How long did it take you to get from the point of your concept um, to actually opening up your business? Well, I, um, my husband ended up, um, I had been living in Brooklyn for many years, as you mentioned, and then my husband ended up getting a job um, about an hour and a half north of the city, so we ended up moving to a suburb about an, an hour from New York City. And uh, Oh, look at that. We have a commercial, <laughs> but I can't even wait to hear your answer. Because, Lynn, we're going to learn how an actor went, how a person went from being an actor to making a million dollars selling T-shirts real soon. So we'll be back after this commercial break. We'll be right back with more Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi right after these on Toginet.com. Critical thinking in the real world. What does it take to get ahead and stay ahead of the curve in this ever-changing world around us? Critical thinking in the real world with Janet Hens. Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Central on Toginet. Starting November 4th, Janet Hens is a college instructor, speaker, writer, wife, and mother of three young children. She also has her Master's of Arts in writing from Johns Hopkins University. Janet began her career working for a congressman on Capitol Hill, then moved over to lobbying when he retired. It was through these jobs that she learned about the power of grassroots initiatives, media relations, and public speaking. And then she honed these skills when she became a college instructor. Today, she artfully balances work with full-time motherhood. In the show, Critical Thinking in the Real World, Janet will discuss hot topics and the critical thinking necessary to assess them. Her passion for education impacts her daily life, and she'll share that in every show. Critical Thinking in the Real World with Janet Hens, Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Central, starting November 4th on toginet.com. Girlfriend It is on Toginet, Thursdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central with your hosts Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan. This show is your chance to share, learn, laugh, and connect with other women. The girlfriended principle was born out of loss. Lisa had recently had her mother pass away from cancer, and my mom um, was murdered. A man just walking into a room and started a 23-second shooting spree. I think one of the things we both realized going through those tragedies is that you can be extremely okay and be extremely sad. Check out Girlfriended.com and then be a part of Girlfriended, the radio show, Thursdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central. You know, your boyfriend or, or your husband or whatever, they don't totally understand that emotional side to a woman like another woman does. And I think that's so important just to have somebody that you go, she gets me. Check out the website, girlfriended.com. Don't miss Girlfriended with Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan. Thursdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to Paying It Forward, the show dedicated to helping every entrepreneur be more successful as we discuss accomplishments, lessons learned, and sharing those ideas. Now, let's get back to Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi on toginet.com. Hi, it's Josephine again, and we're back with Lynn Lambert of New York City's Subway Line. And we were just discussing how um, Lynn went from being an actor to making over a million dollars in selling T-shirts. So, Lynn, it's all yours. Well, um, I love how, how women just open their bear their souls to each other. So I had been invited by one of my neighbors to um, her pool club with, with um, both of our sons who were the same age hanging out, and she introduced me to one of her neighbors, 
and the um, the neighbor turned out to be um, an intellectual property attorney. So I realize I'm on a little bit delicate ground here because we're we're supposed to be all you know recreating, not um, working. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I turned to her and I said, "Oh, would you mind if I asked you a business question?" And she said, "No, not at all. Go ahead." And I said, well, I come up with this idea of putting the, the subway symbols on T-shirts and hats and things, and um, I'm wondering, can I just, can I do that? Or, and she said, oh, well, yeah, you know, you could do it for a few weeks, but then the MTA, that's the Metropolitan Transportation Authority here in New York who runs all of the trains and buses, she said the MTA would likely come along and put you out of business in a few weeks' time, and all of your hard work and money would go right down the drain. And it was like, oh. <laughs> so um, she said, I recommend if you are serious about doing this that you go to them and get a license from them. So that was a wow. unique idea that I had never, didn't know anything about being an actor. Um, but that's what I did. So the Lynn, that's part- such great advice to get right up front in the very beginning because imagine you go out and you, do, you get all of your inventory, you don't have your license, and then you're – you're put in a position where the MTA turns to you and says, sorry, you can't sell your stuff. So what a smart move to go to to an attorney right up front and, you know, inquire and do your research. I felt like I got very lucky that day. And she has turned out to be a friend and um, is my attorney to this day, and she's been invaluable to me. Um, And uh, so I I went to them and um, actually... I had to kind of beat their door down for about six months to to get the license because, and you know, in retrospect, rightfully so, I was an actor. What experience did I have in the apparel industry? Why would they want to give their precious, um, you know, raw material to to me to do something with? Why wouldn't they turn to the professionals? You know, right. and so, um, but I but I kept at it and um, and. I think that they ultimately were persuaded that anyone that, that was that passionate and that committed and that determined to, to get it right, that I would, you know, make something of it. So they did give me a license, and, um, and I've had one ever since. And, um, so wow, that, that is was a big, stage. big accomplishment. That's a huge accomplishment, Lynn. You know, congratulations on that. You were probably just in awe and probably couldn't even believe yourself that, you actually got a license from the MTA. I think that's huge. Well, you know, what's really funny is it wasn't until I got a lot more experience in the, in the industry that I realized um, how, how um, much they had gone out on a limb to, to give the license to me. You know what I mean? <laughs> because yeah, I that's... thought, but I want to do this, and I know I can do it, but I, I didn't know how much I didn't know. <laughs> so that's only amazing. in retrospect did I realize I got lucky. <laughs> Great. So now, Lynn, what did you do? Did you go out? Did you purchase T-shirts? Did you have to hire a graphic designer? How did you, how did you make it all happen? Well, again, as a, as a mom entrepreneur, <laughs> I, um, there was a, a gal that I waited at the bus stop with for, for my, our, our kids to, to get on the bus, and she happened to mention that she was a graphic designer uh, but was at home with kids right now. And so I went to her and said, could you help me draw up these, these ideas? And she did. We would sit on her kitchen counter and use plates and cups to make the circles. <laughs> and, That's great. Um, she was my first uh, graphic designer. 
So we worked together. Um, you know, eventually I, I got samples made. I searched around for, um, you know, a company that, that would, um, that would do that. That was difficult because, again, I was small, so I, they kept putting me off like other jobs were more important or bigger, and they would, you know, push me aside. So and I ended up never going back to them again, but I did get samples. And then, of course, I had to start making those sales calls, which turned out to wow. be one of the things that I already knew how to do That's from selling great. myself as an actor. Um, so within a week of getting my samples, I had an appointment and a sale at Macy's Herald Square. Wow, that's huge. And, you know, people have said, how did you do that? And I said, I just called and called until I reached someone who would see me, who turned out to be in the um, older boys' department. And when I met her, I boldly said, um, you know, I'm making uh, clothes for both younger kids and girls and, you know, a whole infants even, and all the way up through adults. Is there any, are there any other buyers you could introduce me to? She ended up introducing me to both the buyer, uh, the, the um, manager of the entire children's division at wow. Macy's, and also um, the um, the New York City department that they had there, who carried adults. So, um, you know, I parlayed that into um, all those sales, and um, I also sold to some museum stores, which I thought would like my line, including, of course, the New York Transit Museum, but other museums as well. And those were my first orders. That's great, Lynn. Now, that's a lot of work to do on your own. Did you hire people to help you? You know, if you were out making sales calls, was there somebody back at the office? Um, did you work out of home? How did, how did you really run your business so you could manage to actually get your product in the stores? Well, because I was working from my life savings as an actor, as my financing, um, I didn't really have money to hire anyone. I wasn't paying myself, so I couldn't imagine paying someone else. So I really was trying to do it all myself. And I did that for as long as I could. Then I moved to a phase, and I was working, definitely working out of my home as my office. Um, and then I, I thought, well, I could really use some help doing the clerical work here, inputting orders, invoicing, paying bills. And I went down a path for a couple of years of trying to find what I thought would be a perfect job for one of the local moms whose kids were in school during the day so they could come here to, to uh, my, my home office and work. And I, um, after two years, I completely gave up on that because what I found was the moms that I was finding, there was always a priority that was more important than coming here. So sometimes they would end up only coming once in a week when they were supposed to come three times. Uh, not coming for a couple of weeks, which put it all back on my shoulders. It, it, the, sure. the hiring local moms thing just did not work for me. Yeah, it works for some people, Lynn, but um, others, it's really, really tough. The thing about the moms that um, have children in school, a lot of them are so talented. It's amazing. But like you said, they're home because their priority is their family. So it is very difficult for them to really commit a specific time and a specific hour that they can come and help and work you out. So I hear your frustration there. I know that that could really be difficult. Even when the time and date were completely flexible, it still wasn't working. So I think I just didn't get lucky on the particular moms that I found at that time. But I was very okay. frustrated, and a couple of people had said, why don't you go to one of the local colleges and see if you can find a college person to, to work with you? And that changed my life. Oh, great. The I, interns, um, yeah. 
interns, um, paid interns here, and I have um, I have now one full time employee in my office who started here as a college intern, um, and she uh, does uh, production and marketing for us, and she's fantastic. and um, And I have had a series of, but usually for um, anywhere from one to three years, um, accounting students who come and do the data entry and the the bookkeeping and it's been great for them, and it's been great for me. So that's something that really has worked very well for me. So that's a great lesson that we can pay it forward for anybody who's starting, you know, a new business out there to possibly, before they hire full-time employees, um, to hire some interns at their local college that have the experience. Sounds that's, great, Lynn. Thank you. And I can talk to you more about that, I mean, you, you don't want somebody who's about to graduate because they'll, they'll be gone. <laughs> so there's, there's yeah. some tricks to it. You want to find somebody who's like a sophomore so you could have the hope of holding on to them for a while, et cetera. But, um, but really, I've been very lucky with that. And um, as far as growing my business, um, you know, my business is now 15 years old. And so it's wow. been a long process. Um, we, um, at first, everybody thought, oh, these are very cool for New York City, but uh, my store is in Ohio or my store is in Arizona. But then we got very lucky that we started being seen on television and in movies across the country. Oh, wow. And that started changing people's minds. Like, um, actually, one of my acting friends that I had auditioned against, <laughs> but we were right. friends for many years, her name is uh, Terry Porter, an adorable uh, lady, and she had a son, uh, the actor Jesse Bradford. He started working as a child actor in um, in movies and ultimately played the love interest in the movie Bring It On, which was a huge, huge teen movie. And um, I ran into her one day at an audition, because I still do auditions sometimes, and um, I asked her how Jesse was doing. She said he was heading out to California to do this film, and I said, oh, I ought to give him some of my shirts. Well, I did that, and within... A week, I had a call from their wardrobe department saying, oh, could Jesse wear this F-Train shirt in your movie? And it was like, are you kidding? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so um, that got us a lot of attention, and we, we started being worn by both the performers and some of the audience members on MTV, um, uh, their TRL show, and also on um, Road Rules and Real World. Somebody was always wearing one of our shirts if they were from New York City, which was cool. And on BET, some of the rappers, the rapper Fabulous was, uh, has worn our Brooklyn Map shirt, um, VH1, um, a lot of other movies, Uma Thurman, and even President Clinton has worn our, our stuff. Well, that is the funniest thing. When I saw um, President Clinton wearing your shirt, I said, now, how cool is that? I know he's a neighbor of yours in Chappaqua, but um, that is like the ultimate to see the president wearing your T-shirt. It was, but um, it was fun. I, I actually dropped. Um, you can't do this anymore. But when they first moved to this neighborhood, um, I he had just opened his office in Harlem, and so I brought him some of the train shirts that had to do with Harlem. And uh, the Secret Service men let me leave it with them at the at the the door. <laughs> and if you go on our website nycsubwayline.com, you will see a picture of him uh, wearing our our shirt. <laughs> He also well, that, sent a handwritten thank you so, note, which really blew me away. That is so funny. I have a funny story about Bill Clinton, but we'll tell you about that when we come back from our commercial break. Hey, 
right back with more Paying It Forward with Josephine Jirasi right after these on Toginet.com. Inspiring women to be true to themselves. Get ready for Tracy Porter Radio on Toginet.com. 2 p.m. Central, Wednesdays, starting November 4th. Tracy Porter, lifestyle, home and fashion designer, inspiring women from all over the world with their fashionably eclectic goods, savvy tips, style advice, and encouraging spirit. TracyPorter.com is home to her designer products and voice to thousands of women who flock to Tracy's daily blog for a daily dose of pure Tracy. And now she's coming to Toginet. All of Tracy's enchanting goods can be found at TracyPorter.com and her nationally sought-after mail catalog, Tracy Porter. Plus, you can find her here on Toginet. Tracy's awards, appearances, and accolades are too numerous to mention here. So, ladies, you've just got to come to be inspired, too. With Tracy Porter Radio, inspiring women to be true to themselves, to let their passions lead. Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Central, starting November 4th, on toginet.com. Get a jump on what your preschool kids need to know with Let's Get Ready for Kindergarten from Stacy Cannonberg. A mom told me this is the book I've been looking for. This book gives me all the information I need about what my kids need to know. And a private school admissions director said this is exactly what we test on. Google it, get it, and get ahead. Let's Get Ready for Kindergarten. Applauded and approved by parents and educators. Let's Get Ready for Kindergarten is a state-approved teaching tool. On sale now, in stores, or online at cedarvalleypublishing.com. Welcome back to Paying It Forward, the show dedicated to helping every entrepreneur be more successful as we discuss accomplishments, lessons learned, and sharing those ideas. Now, let's get back to Paying It Forward with Josephine Jirasi on toginet.com. Well, hi, Lynn. I'd like to welcome Lynn Lambert back. Lynn is the creator of the New York City Subway line. It's a series of apparel and accessories. And, um, Lynn, we were just talking about your experience having uh, Bill Clinton wear one of your T-shirts. And uh, it's kind of funny because my sister actually lives in your town of Chappaqua. And um, it is just exciting having, you know, Bill and Hillary right there as neighbors. And uh, I just wanted to share a funny story with you. I had... um, my brother-in-law was actually working in London at the time, and my sister was in Chappaqua with the kids. And um, my niece had gone to visit my brother-in-law in London, and um, she had uh, she met somebody there, one of the young high school students, and he had to. Um, they were passing around a journal for um, friends to write in, and they were passing this journal really from um, place to place, city to city. If you went on vacation, you would meet somebody and they would sign the book. Well, what do you know? My brother-in-law has a great idea that my niece, Natalie, should take this notebook back to Chappaqua (laughs) and try to get Bill Clinton to sign this high school student's, I guess he was studying to become a journalist at the time, to sign his book. So my sister was in the house, and she saw the Secret Service um, outside, and they were in cars, and she was screaming, Natalie, go get the journal, go get the journal. They (laughs) hopped in the car. Sure enough, they went right behind um, Bill Clinton's car, and the Secret Service was there, and they asked permission, you know, if she could give the book to Bill. And what do you know? She actually had Bill Clinton sign the journal for her friend in London, and it was the most talked about <laughs> autograph in the journal. So I bet. 
Well, he he and uh, he and she are really truly um, you know town residents here, and um, they they are very um, accessible, which is always a little bit shocking. Um, but um, you know, he and as opposed to feeling like he's been in the public eye forever and had public scrutiny and and I and can't wait to have some privacy. Um, he seems to get restless when he doesn't have contact with the public, and sometimes he'll sort of go hang out in town, sometimes with the dog, and just chat with people for hours on end. So it's quite amazing. Yeah, so that's very, very exciting. You never know when you're going to run into them. But, all right, so, Lynn, let's get back to talking about your business. And I know you ran into a lot of challenges along the way. Can you tell me, like, what was one of your biggest challenges? I mean, and when you experienced a challenge, what kind of support? Like, it's so important. I just know, even for myself running my own business, it's so important that I surround myself with high-energy, positive, you know, people, especially other mom entrepreneurs, because I know most of the time, if I'm experiencing a problem, they've gone through it themselves. And you know, they might be one step ahead of me, and I can learn from their lessons. Can you tell me a little bit about your challenges and maybe your support system? Well, I can say that I, I feel very lucky that um, I have had some mentors along the way. And when I first uh, came up with my idea and was going through the initial process, um, one of my neighbors, uh, actually the, the father of one of my uh, son's classmates, um, had had a long career in the apparel industry and gave me an awful lot of his time and advice uh, and actually went with me to my first meeting with Macy's, which um, was greatly appreciated because I didn't, I really, you know, was, in a, you know, so inexperienced at that time that that, that made a huge difference for me. And um, Oh, Lynn, I want to stop you just for a second because what an amazing concept. I never would have thought to bring an experienced person with me on a really big sales call. That was just such a brilliant idea. That's great. Well, I have to say it wasn't mine <laughs> because I, okay. I, did, I think I, was, I wouldn't have thought to ask anything more of him than he was already giving, which was a tremendous amount of his time consulting with me. But I, um, when I got this appointment, it was like, wow, I have an appointment with Macy's Herald Square. My eyes were as big as saucers. You know, I kind of was dumbfounded. Now what do I do, you know? And um, he just turned to me and said, I'll go with you. And it was wow. like, oh, thank you, you know. <laughs> so um, he knew how to talk the talk, and I paid a lot of attention, and, uh, you know, and, and it went a lot better. And I'm sure she was reassured by the fact that I had some expertise there with me instead of, of you know, the, the thought that maybe she'd place an order and never get the goods because she didn't know if I had my act together. So I was very, very blessed by that. And and uh, he ultimately, you know, uh, the the we I want to talk with you at some point about inventory based businesses, product based businesses, as opposed to service based businesses. Um, you know, I had an ongoing uh, like repping relationship with him. I thought that's he was a, a, a manufacturer's rep for some other lines, and I thought, well, that's one of the ways I can try to really compensate him at a time when even I'm not making a salary is let him rep the line. Oh, great! And, Good idea. And, and so he, he did um, rep the line um, to, to customers he already had, which weren't an exact match with what I should have, but he did that for a while until it really was 
becoming too much work for not enough compensation because the line he was normally repping, the lines were, were big national lines. Everybody would know the, the names of them. And it just kind of didn't, you know, pan out to be worth his while, which, you know, which I understood. So there, there were other mentors along the, the way, some of them actually with great big jobs as uh, vice presidents of major, major uh, fashion apparel companies, and um, one for Liz Claiborne, one for, at the time, FUBU. And what I found was that all those, those, those people who were, you know, so, so far beyond me believed in my company and my product and me, but when I had those day-to-day questions or even weekly questions, they just weren't available because they had these huge, very demanding jobs. So I really wished that I had a mentor who was more available. I tried SCORE. Everybody says talk to, you know, um, SCORE. And um, they actually, at the very beginning, laughed me out of the room. They didn't think it was a good idea. By the way, you asked me what my husband thought when I told him this idea, which is a funny story. My husband said, um, who's born and bred in New York, and so maybe doesn't understand the way I do how fabulous New York City is. <laughs> he said, honey, the world doesn't need another T-shirt. <laughs> you know, can I just say, Lynn, not to stick up for your husband here, but I grew up in Staten Island, and I worked in Manhattan since I was 16 years old, and I took that Staten Island ferry every single day. And it was a means of transportation to me. However, I passed in front of the Statue of Liberty every single day. And there was always a crowd of tourists there trying to get in front of you and take pictures and everything. And part of me was just like, oh, my God, I just want to get home or I just want to get to work. (laughs) And meanwhile, we were living and working in one of the best cities in the world. So... When you see it day in and day out, I can understand where your husband was coming to, coming from, you know, from a Me certain too. point of view, you know. I, but I actually I'm so see- glad you, you had the vision to, to just <laughs> forge ahead, which is, you know, good for you. I, I actually think that maybe it took that outsider's eye to, to come up with the idea that was right in front of, you know, hiding in plain sight for many years. No one had ever you know, come up with the idea to do this. And I think it was because I, I did still have stars in my eyes and still do about New York City. So, but that, that's kind of interesting. But, but the path, um, the difficulties really had to do with, I had thought when I started this business, I thought, look, I've had my own business for years. I've been, um, you know, a successful solo, you know, practitioner, voiceover actor. Um, and, um, and so, I know how it is. I know the ups and downs, and I know, you know, the, the, the problems involved. But honestly, um, the, the problems that are presented by a product-based business um, are quite daunting. And when you talk about having made millions of dollars in sales, which, of course, I, I have done over the years, and one year I, I got to $1.2 million in sales in that year alone, which was huge. Um, but that doesn't mean you're making a million dollars in your pocket, not even close, because the inventory that you have are making and is sitting on the shelf waiting to be sold is such a constant drain that uh, I find that a product-based business is, is quite challenging to actually pull the money out of at the end of the day. And that's, that's a continuing challenge. But I think that you would understand that from your business as would any other. Oh, 
Absolutely, Lynn. It's super, super difficult. You know, as most of the audience knows, I am actually the inventor of Glovies, which are disposable sanitary hand covers for toddlers. So they can wear these little mitts when they go into public restrooms and it keeps them safe from germs. But yeah, Lynn, I agree with you. You know, in my situation, it's a learning curve. I have to teach the public that, you know, my Glovies actually really work. And you have to try them to believe them. And let me tell you, every single mother in the public restroom, when I take my kids in, they're all saying the same thing. You know, don't touch this, don't touch that. So they really do work. But I agree with you as far as inventory goes. You know, I'm in a unique situation now because um, I have to have lots of inventory. So because of the H1N1, there's right. been a, a huge demand in my products. So um yeah, and it's tough dealing with manufacturers who want to, want you to have a certain minimum order requirement to do a run. So, uh, yeah, yes, it's that, tough cash that flow. Is the, the minimums, yeah. um, you know, you may have a, a, like sometimes I have what I think is a fabulous new design, but if, um, and I do a lot of my production domestically, but the more complicated it is, the more it necessitates going offshore to, to do it because we don't, we, have, we no longer have a lot of the um, huge silk screening presses that can do 14 color giant uh, formats and um, some of the accessories printing that I need. So um, I'm working offshore. That means a three month plus sometimes lead time. And so I have to go out on a limb sometimes and order uh, a thousand pieces of something just to get it made and then hope that the sales go as well as I, I'm thinking because the, the customers don't want to come in and place their order for a dozen pieces as a test or, or three dozen pieces as a test, and then if it goes well, have to wait three months before <laughs> the rest of them come in. <laughs> so I'm always on the hook for, for those uh, complicated products for the inventory all the time. So that is challenging, and, um, and I, so I think that you need to really evaluate are you in a product-based or a service-based business, and service-based has its own issues but not these. Um, and then, of course, in terms of support, I want to uh, mention the Count Me In organization oh, and their sure. Make Mine a Million contest. Um, they, um, I love that program, Lynn. It's just it's so fascinating. And talk about a support system. I'm part of that organization as well. And it's just amazing how much I've learned by being a part of that organization. And, I mean... Here we go. We're going to get ready to go on a break now, Lynn. But when we come back, I can't wait to hear more about the Count Me In program and how you actually became a winner of the, of the award. So we'll talk to you real soon. We'll be right back with more Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi right after these on Toginet.com. Being frugal doesn't mean being cheap, and the Frugalitarian is here to show you how. Jody Olson is the Frugalitarian on Togedown, 3 p.m. Central, Wednesdays. This is the art of great living. It's just a matter of time before people start asking you to tell them your secrets to better style, bargains on food, home decor, and clothing. Your wants don't have to change, just how you acquire what you want. On the Frugalitarian, it's an uncommon mix of style, fashion savvy, and earth friendly, showing you great taste, great style, and great 
ideas for finding everything you want for nearly nothing. I'm speaking from experience. I live on a beautiful farm where I take care of sheep and do a few light farm chores for extremely low rent. For more clever ideas on how to waste not and totally want not, go to thefrugalitarian.com. Join us every week for more information on how you can live better for less with Jody Olson. It's The Frugalitarian, Wednesdays at 3 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Mom, daughter, wife, girlfriend, any woman, you're constantly juggling different roles and responsibilities, and we're all just keeping it together. Join Allison Rhodes, the safety mom, for some time to vent, laugh, and get some advice for keeping yourself and your family healthy and happy. It's Keeping It Together with the safety mom, Allison Rhodes. Allison's career as the safety mom began after the death of her first child. For more information on her and her blogs, go to safetymom.com. As a single mom with a child with learning disabilities and a father with Alzheimer's, trying to juggle a full-time job while volunteering as a cheerleader coach and a Sunday school teacher, she knows all too well how hard it is to take time for yourself and to take care of yourself and your family. So let's talk, let's share some stories, and come away with some great ideas for keeping you and your entire family safe and healthy. It's Keeping It Together with the Safety Mom, Allison Rhodes, Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Central, here on Togginet.com. Welcome back to Paying It Forward, the show dedicated to helping every entrepreneur be more successful as we discuss accomplishments, lessons learned, and sharing those ideas. Now, let's get back to Paying It Forward with Josephine Jirasi on toginet.com. Well, hi, Lynn. It's so great to have you back. Um, Lynn Lambert is the inventor of the New York City subway line. Lynn, before we get started, I have a few things that I want to cover, but I'd love for you to tell the audience how we can purchase your um, apparel and accessories. Oh, thank you. Well, we are in scattered stores across the country and in Japan, if anyone there is listening, (laughs) Um, and, of course, a lot in the New York City area. But um, we have a web store, nycsubwayline.com, where you can see our products, and I hope you'll like them. I think anyone that loves New York or has lived in New York or has a family or friends who love New York or have lived in New York will um, especially appreciate it. Plus, it's just kind of hot, um, hip fashion, and uh, young people, I think, like just like the looks of it, and um, you don't have to be so young to um, to appreciate it either. So um, I hope no. that your listeners check it out. Well, I have to tell you, Lynn, one of my favorite things that you have is the baseball cap with the Yankee Stadium um, subway stop. I think that is absolutely great. I'll have to get that for my husband and the boys. They would love that. Uh So, all right, Lynn, so there's two other things that I want to make sure we talk about. And um, we're going to get back to Count Me In in just a second, but... I know that everybody would love to hear your experience on Donnie Deutsch, being that we were just talking about your husband a minute ago. (laughs) Well, actually, I have told that story because um, I was so excited to get to be on The Big Idea with Donnie Deutsch. And um, his show kind of progressed from spending uh, maybe half the show or a whole show with a single entrepreneur and interviewing them to being like very fast-paced as, uh, as the show uh, went on in, in uh, time of its run. So by the time I was on the show, they had like, I don't know, 15 of us. 
and they were just concentrating on one thing uh, to ask each of the uh, guests about sometimes. Other people would get to, to, uh, to speak on a variety of things. The only thing Donnie wanted to talk to me about was, and Lynn, what does your husband say when you told him this fantastic idea you had about New York City subway T-shirts? And uh, I said, well, you know, he said, the world doesn't need another T-shirt, honey. And he just thought that was hysterical, and he says, and what's your husband's name? I said, Daniel, and he said, and one million plus sales later, take that, Daniel. <laughs> and it was funny, but it was like, gosh, I wish I had gotten to tell more about my company and my path the way that I'm doing here with you, Josephine. <laughs> oh, I'm just enjoying it so much, Lynn, and I just feel like, you know, you are sharing so much of your knowledge, and I, I thank you for being my guest. Oh, so, all you. right, I, I knew everybody would enjoy the Donnie Deutsch uh, comment. <laughs> But um, let's go back to Count Me In. Count Me In is a fabulous organization. It was actually started by Nell Merlino. And I remember my days way back when I was working for Merrill Lynch. And um, they came up with this concept of take your daughter to work um, day. And it was just uh, once a year. I believe it's in April every year, and um, that was quite a long time ago mm -hmm. um, that Nell started that, but um, it yes, was such and that a was successful... before Nell came up with, th with this idea. She, was, she had been working yeah. with a lot of women's organizations, including Ms., um, the folks from, mm -hmm. you know, from Ms., and uh, w women, you know, various women's organizations when she came up with that idea. But somewhere along the line, she wondered how she could continue to advocate for, <clears throat> for women, and, excuse me. And in her research, she found that I believe it's only, although the majority of small businesses are started by women, I believe only 3% of those businesses ever achieve a million dollars in sales. And she thought, why would that be? What are the obstacles? What can I do to help women, you know, give, give them, you know, they don't have the old boys network. You know, how can we give women the, the kind of support that clearly men are getting? Um, ha uh, there are many issues for women having to do with financing that, you know, banks may not be looking at them as favorably as they would a man with the same information. Um, you know, there are just a lot, uh, a lot of issues. We, we know as women who have been employees that um, we get discriminated against sometimes because we have children, because, uh, because we are married and they're making an assumption that we don't need to make the same salary. You know, there have been a lot of issues. Well, now got... This idea, she's created an organization called Count Me In. You can see countmein.org online. And um, ultimately partnered with American Express and some other major co companies to, to sponsor a contest to raise awareness of this organization. And it's called the Make Mine a Million Contest. And it's done around the country. And um, I ultimately, in, in hearing that, that mentoring was one of the things that was offered, along with various other um, you know, uh, prizes to, um, for, the, for the winners. I was part of uh, in 2000 and, oh, let me get this right. <laughs> um, in 2007. You were one of the first winners, I think. Yeah. yeah, I was one of the winners in 2007. And, um, and you know, it's not about the, the winning or the, you know, uh, fighting to win. It really was they, they had 30 finalists and 20 winners, and very often they'll have that kind of ratio. Uh, and, um, and the network of women I have met, um, just the, my fellow entrepreneurs, let alone 
from the Count Me In organization where if you have a business problem, they can either give you some advice or, or help you um, find someone to talk to to get that advice. Um, the network is amazing, isn't it, Lynn? I mean, I recently went to a Count Me In <laughs> seminar at the end of September, and I, it was just electrifying being in that room to have been with, it, there must have been 150 women entrepreneurs in there, and the stories, everybody just had such an amazing story. And it was, it was so inspiring. I mean, this one woman had gotten up there. Her um, business was making $350,000. And within, I think it was 12 months or so, maybe, maybe it's a little longer, maybe it's up to two years now, she's at eight. $8.5 million. How oh, amazing know. is that one? I know the lady you're talking about. It's been phenomenal, phenomenal for her. Of course, we can't all experience that, but, right. but, um, but we you, could know, dream. you do feel so alone out there with your problems as a, as a small business owner sometimes, and you don't always have uh, support even at home in some ways because I know my husband got awfully tired of, of seeing somebody who was working not only during the day, but at nights and on the weekends and exhausted all the time. And so, um, you know, you're in a group of people who understand, so I highly, highly recommend people reaching out to that organization, looking on their website and, and um, getting involved because I think that you will never regret it. Yeah. And that's unfortunately only for women. There are, there are certainly um, a lot of ones for men too, but this, this for women. Yeah, absolutely. I always repeat the one thing I took away from that seminar was how um, Nell really stressed the fact that it is so crucial and so important to learn how to work on your business as opposed to working in your business because you could spend the whole entire day doing your bookkeeping and that's not going to get your business forward. You have to figure out ways that you can hire people, like you suggested, the interns, to do jobs that, you know, you know how to do, but you just really, quite frankly, don't have the time for it. And you could be putting your effort on um, sales or moving your business to the next level. Absolutely. Do you agree with that? Absolutely. Um, it, it, there, there is no question that you are going to be the best at moving your business forward. And if you get bogged down in the weeds, as the, the other way they call it, you're not going to be able to do that. Yeah, I think that's great. And also, you know, Lynn, you know what's a really tough part? Not every person who owns their own business is a salesperson. What would you suggest? I mean, you had your experience being an actor and selling yourself, like you said, but... Um, there are several, several owners out there that just can't do it themselves. What do you suggest? Well, I think that's a really good question, Josephine. Um, you, I think that, you know, you need to assess your own personal strengths and weaknesses. And, um, and just like for, for me and I'm sure for you, for uh, production sources where you need to get things made, you need to reach out to everyone you know in your industry or related industries and get recommendations for people to who can fill the whole, you know, who can do what you need done. And if that is finding a real kick butt um, sales rep or sales repping group, you know, you need to you need to do that. If that's not your strength, or if you need to be putting your attention elsewhere, 
and that's something that has to be monitored. There are a lot of sad stories about sales repping groups and reps that don't work out, that promise the world, and they never do anything and or not enough. And you know that finding that key, those key partners for your for your business are are critical. So if that's not your your strength, or you need to be concentrating elsewhere, then you need to be um, supervising that closely. But you need to—that's where you need to hand things off. And of course, economically, you're much better off dealing with someone who is getting a percentage of their sales, which are easy to pay. You get paid, and they get paid. Than you are someone who you have to put on salary. So you may have some kind of rep who is not solely dedicated to you. You have to make those decisions too. If you need just put on salary or salary plus commission your own rep, or you can use someone who also reps other um, companies with maybe related products or whatever. So um, Wow. That is really, really great advice, Lynn. Um, so how does it feel to be successful? Do you really give yourself credit for being successful, Lynn? I think I give myself credit for coming up with, I still really believe this is a great idea, and every time I create a, um, a new product that, that sells well, that, that, custom, that customers like, we just created three new accessories, and um, much to my delight and um, dismay, they just so blew out that, um, that we're, we completely sold out of one in every color, and now we only have black left in the, uh, wow. a few pieces of the other. So that was a real home run, and we've got these things on order again. And I, I get tickled when I walk down the street and say, see someone wearing our line, so I give myself a lot of credit for that. And every wow. day I'm trying to be a better business person so that I can both grow my business and increase my income that I make from the business because that's still a challenge, and in this economy, sure. it's particularly challenging. Well, you're doing a great job. Lynn, I want to say thank you so much for being my guest on Paying It Forward this week, and also you shared so many lessons with our audience. You said to be bold, believe in your product or your service, be persistent, be resilient. So thank you so much for thank doing you, such Josephine. a great job. Thank you. We'll see you soon on Paying It Forward. Thank you for being a part of Paying It Forward with Josephine Jirasi on Toginet.com. This show is dedicated to helping every entrepreneur be more successful. Each week we'll be discussing accomplishments, lessons learned,